mine also pairs with Joss Love Talk Radio. All right. Loud Sound Productions. In association with the Sexy Witches Presents. Repo Merch. The podcast where there's no such thing as indecent exposure. Restoring nerd cred, one geek at a time. Here's your host, writer, token Tom Clark, and the head huntress, archivist, Elizabeth Catherine Gray. And hello, and welcome to another edition of Repo Nerd. Restoring geek cred. One or, or sorry, nerd cred, one geek at a time, and I am the head hauntress, which is a spin-off of the Archivist Bedsong Festival podcast, and uh, we come on every once in a while to talk about, you know, get a little bit more into reviewing the shows themselves. Like, while Sexy Witches is more about overall fandom and and the cultures that are built around it, this is actually about the source materials themselves and, and things that we haven't seen over the years. Uh, I missed, uh, I did last episode, I did Battlestar Galactica, which I had actually never seen, the new version, watched one and a half episodes of that. Um, our first episode had Tokum Tong Clark watching Fulci movies. I had him go straight into Italian horror, and that's how we opened the whole Reboners. So go back and look for those early episodes, as well as any episodes of Archivist's Bets on Sexy Witches. We recently just had our Women in Horror episode on last week, so have a listen. And uh, meanwhile, let me introduce my co-host on the other end, up in poor, poor Syracuse, New York. Please welcome <laughs> to Repo Nerds. Token, Tommy Clark. How are you doing, sir? Yes, I'm, I'm doing great, Liz. Not only do I live, according to the New York Post, I live in the place that love goes to die, Syracuse, New York, the number one place in the country for snowfall, the number one place in the country for poverty, the number one place in the country for highest unemployment, the number one place for obesity, and now the number one place where you can't get a fucking date. Syracuse. Is it true? But is that true? Is it true? You live there. Well, I, I, I live there. Yeah, it's miserable. You know, though, <laughs> I want to give a shout out. There is one good date place in all of Syracuse, and that is the Strand Theater. And you should always check out the Strand Theater if you want to go see a good movie, because they have great, wonderful little film festivals and things like that there. So there's stuff to do in Syracuse. It's not completely devoid of culture. There's, no, it's not that it's devoid of culture. It's just devoid of anybody that wants to participate in the culture, except for the people <laughs> who put the culture together. Okay. Oh, That's so the so they put some kind of stuff in the air that made them all complacent. Like just people just kind of lay down and die in Syracuse. Yeah, okay, let me put it this way: This Syracuse is used quite frequently as a test market for new products, and they figure if it can get sold in Syracuse, it's a fucking hit. <laughs> this is the place Betty Mardonis went to get off of fucking drugs back in the 80s, okay? You know the guy that had the hit with that one song, Into the Night, twice? Yeah, him. He's been like our hero of music. This is the town that gave us Earth Crisis, Masters of Reality, which created stoner metal, okay? That, that tells you something right there. Brand new sin. They do the theme song to the big show in pro wrestling, okay? It also gave us Dio. Okay, because Richie Blackmore goes to Syracuse with Cortland right next to us and finds this little short guy and says, hey, I'm going to form a new band and you're going to sing for me. All right, so heavy metal was invented in this shithole town. 
All right. And if you're going to use shithole to describe any place in the, in the United States, use it for fucking Syracuse. Anyway. I don't know. I I've been that. to Bakersfield. So, I mean, you've never been to Bakersfield. Right? No, you've not, yeah, no. yeah. I'm thinking of yeah. Syracuse. I'll give you the tour. Or Fresno. <laughs> you've never been to Fresno. It, there's a joke in California where I grew up. If Fresno is the armpit of California, what does that make Bakersfield? And the answer is a designated smoking area. So if you're in California, that's hysterical, just so you know. Uh, so, so it's um, Women in Horror it, Month, never, Liz. It is Women in Horror Month, and I have been celebrating Women in Horror Month like a crazy woman. This year, it just so happens, like, it's been everywhere for me. I just came back from Days of the Dead Atlanta and moderated the Women of Independent Horror panel at the Days of the Atlanta convention. Thank you again, Adolfo Dorta and Nathan Hamilton, for having faith in me and wanting me possibly to come back to Charlotte. Actually, I am going back to Charlotte, so uh, that'll be awesome. So I'll be doing it again. Uh, I don't know who with yet. So hooray to that. And uh, my show, of course, had a lot of women in horror. We had the panel come on and call in on Sexy Witches. So I've been up to my eyeballs in women in horror uh, this year. And I'm not as active a participant usually, Tommy, as some other of my horror colleagues are. But this year, it's been full in. Yeah, um, every year on the Necrocasticon, my podcast over at Project Entertainment Network, um, I have done uh, Women in Horror Month, uh, and where we have... Uh, invite uh, women uh, in the horror field to join us on the podcast. Now, every day should be Women in Horror Day, Liz. Let's keep that in mind. But the reason we celebrate this, or not celebrate it, we recognize Women in Horror Month is because of the blood drive that's attached to it. Okay? And that's the main reason that we get so involved with this, because everybody needs blood, right? Well, and it was, I was honored on my panel. I had two people that had uh, directed shorts for the PSA and a frequent caller to our show, Michelle Nesk over in Oregon. She actually also had a short that hasn't dropped yet. So, uh, you know, so I, I, the, the PSAs have been fantastic this year. I haven't had a chance to watch Soskas. Did you watch the Soskas one last night? No, I did not see it yet. They dropped their double Deadpool um, episode. I, I knew they were doing it because they talked about it at their panel that they got to actually do de- uh, uh, was it Lady Deadpool? Which is, uh, you know, uh, offshoot <laughs> and they did a short. Yeah. Yes, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I, I can't wait to watch it. I'm going to watch it probably as soon as I'm off air tonight before I go yeah, to bed. Um, so, uh, and, um, and watch the rest of the ice skating. Cause honestly, I've been a bad geek, Tommy. I've been watching a lot of Olympics and not a lot of movies. Yeah. Been into Same sports. here. Same here. Uh, um, I've, I, 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 I gotta be honest, even though tonight's topic is Firefly, I didn't watch the Serenity movie yet. You see, we can't do this episode. This bow yes, avoids the episode. Yes, yes, no, it doesn't. Get to watch Boys tomorrow. It. Get to watch tomorrow. You can't. The, the movie. Yeah, I know what is, happened. No, you can't do it. You can't watch. Not the movie is so different than the rest of the TV series, and what I, the TV series couldn't do, let me the movie that. made up for. So. I didn't rewatch the movie. Okay, you had seen it? it. I have seen it. Yes. Okay. 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 Then, then, Calm then down there, I'll Tiger. give you a little bit of a pass. 
I'll give it a little pass. But, you know, uh-huh. I told you, you really can't do this without watching Serenity because Serenity really is the, 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 the period on the sentence, if you know what I'm saying. Well, you, you know, we'll talk about this. Hashtag talk about this later. Talk about that much yeah, later. Yeah, we will. Show. We'll wait. That's our, we'll wait. That's our okay. headline this week. Um, but we're, we're talking about women in horror <laughs> we're right now. In it. That's how. That's how serious. And we're talking about the Olympics. Oh, <laughs> we're talking about the Olympics. So we might as well yes, talk about. Go back to. Tor- let's torches. talk about torches and and Olympics, and let's talk about. If we talk about torches, I'm going to talk about the ritual. Never mind. Um, I haven't seen Olympics. that yet. Don't tell me about it. I'm oh, really, really God. looking forward to it. It's so good. It's so good. So um, uh, Blair Witch t- Project. I'm, meets the descent meets the wicker man the original one with a bit of the witch thrown in the vivid nice. show thrown in and there well, you go it sounds like it's total my wheelhouse you know that that would yeah, be sexy yeah. witches and it all you know <laughs> it makes you think it's going to be a slow burn it does and it, it, it kind of is to a certain point and then it just bam it turns into all the good parts of Blair Witch Project. And imagine, <laughs> if you will, this is how good it is. This is what they did, and this is what makes it good. Imagine if Blair Witch actually showed you the fucking witch, Liz. Well, that, the newer the version did, and it didn't work. I heard you yeah. say that on Necrocasticon, but that made me a little bit worried, because I, I, I just saw the, the remake version of Blair Witch, the one that came out last year or a year before. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Brand new the version of it. Yep, the Adam Wingard Yeah, version. the Wingard version. I didn't think revealing the monster worked that much, even though the design was kind of cool. Um, I, you know, sometimes, I actually am a big proponent, show your monster. You have a monster, you can hold off, but show your monster. This case, I think less is more with the Blair Witch, especially since it's been <laughs> done before. <laughs> this hasn't been done before in the ritual. <laughs> oh, really? Good. Oh my. Uh, um, I'm looking you know forward to was, it. You know what the Beatles were going to call the White Album before they called it the White Album? They were going to call it Eight Arms to Hold You. Okay. That's right. And that, yes, ended, that ended that. up becoming a Veruca Salt album name. All right. That's mm-hmm. all I'm going to say about this. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's very weird. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It is very weird. Okay. It is. Okay, that, that's a very odd reference. I understood it. I speak enough music geek to get that, but um, okay, we'll we'll have to come back to All that. Right. I really am sports looking forward movies. to it. Let's talk sports. Sports movies, movies. yes. So Let's speaking of running sports. and screaming, yeah, uh, it's, it's I, the Olympics. I, you know what someone said? And I was reading some memes, and this is hysterical. They, what they said is it Summer Olympics. You know, the person runs the fastest, person swims the fastest. Winter Olympics, you scream down a, 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 an ice cavern of death and don't die, and you win medals. That's what the Winter yeah. Olympics is. How fast can you do without dying? And I love every minute of it. I love it. I think it's great. I love watching all the skiers. I loved watching Sean White win a third gold medal. Watched the oh, yeah. luge guy win live with my daughter. We were up early, and we caught it on regular television. And I was like, woo, we just won a luge medal. I was, like, elated. Lily was horrified. She goes, is there sledding in the Olympics? I'm like, yeah. And she goes, what? They can't control that. I'm like, yes, they can, actually. There's <laughs> a lot like, of Olympians that live. There's a lot of <laughs> Olympians that live in my immediate area because of Lake Placid being within four hours of me. 
and a lot of them live in this area. And we we are blessed in central New York. Um, granted, this is the place love goes to die, but it's also the place Olympic uh, medalists go to train. <laughs> I've been I've been there. Uh, I drove through that area a couple of times a while back. I like traveling through that area. It's kind of pretty. So, so what's your favorite sports uh, movie? With? Well, normally, if you ask this question, I would go to hockey because hockey movies are my favorite genre of. You know, and but I'm not going to go hockey this case because uh, I would have obvious answers. And if you dug through other podcasts, it would be an obvious answer. So I wanted to go with one of my first favorite loves of a of a sports movie, one of the first ones I ever saw, and it's, oh, it's one the that one with is the, the, the girl figure skater in it, Lynn Holly Johnson. Is it that one? No, no, Damn. not at all. We're not going Olympics. We're going to go biking. I want to go with 1979 and Breaking Away, which is absolutely one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, It's a it's it's an Italian film. Like like, you know, it's got quirky characters. Peter Yates is the director, so you know it's 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 just like it's so good. And I don't. It actually kind of crafted. You know, it and Rocky come out around the same time. And those two movies really crafted what we know as the modern sports film. And I, I just, every moment breaking away, you root for the characters. It really feels, the, the racing sequences feel genuine. Uh, and get this, Tommy. I named my cat after the cat in this film. There's a cat named Jake. I had a cat. I named her Jake because of this movie. There was two movies with a cat named Jake in it. This one and the cat from outer space, which is a Disney film. And so that's how much I love this film. I saw this film in Hawaii. I was in Hawaii. I should be out at the beach. What was I doing? Staying in and watching a movie. And this is the elementary school, Liz. Okay. It tells you what kind of geek I was from the beginning. <laughs> so, uh, so I highly recommend uh, Breaking Away. It's funny. got romance. It's also just it makes you feel so good at the end. It's got that, yeah, yeah, like Karate Kid jump up in the air, uh, breakfast club, fisting the air ending that every movie should have like this. What about you? Have you seen it? Uh, yeah, I've seen Breaking Dennis Quaid's in it. Huh? I, I grew up on movies like that. 1979, that was my, you know, I was 12. Yeah, you're a little Love bit older film. than me. I was a little bit younger, but I remember this movie quite well. And my other favorite film at this time was a movie called Time After Time. And, of course, Star Wars was already yeah. out. And so Star Wars was like, I was four when Star Wars came Christopher out. Christopher so Star Wars pretty much ha- haunted my life. But this movie did, too. I love this film. I, I Really, I would say that it was one of the reasons why I fell in love with movies, was watching a movie that could make me that excited and not have space lasers. You know, so... So, I don't like hockey that much. I'll be honest with you. And let me, let me, I have a little joke here. Why do Canadians do it doggy style, Liz? Oh, geez. Okay, why? So they can both, so they can both watch the hockey game. Well, of course. I, 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 I have no problem with that. All right? I watch hockey all the time. I watched a hockey game today. Did we win? I don't remember. I don't know. I don't uh, like hockey. We're still on. We're 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 in the third. The Capitals are in the third period right now, and uh, we're in the lead, I believe. Okay. So well, um, my movie. <laughs> I have. I actually have two sports movies that I'm going to bring up. As much as I dislike hockey, I love hockey movies for some reason. 
Okay. <laughs> they're awesome. Because they are awesome. Um, my most recent favorite one is The Goon. I haven't seen Goon 2 yet. Don't tell me about it. Please don't spoil it. Oh, right. <laughs> you don't want me to tell you about it. Oh, is it bad? But go ahead. No, is it it's bad? not bad. No, we need any fucking bad. Percocets? No fucking Percocets? We'll talk about it later. Let's talk about the positivity okay. <laughs> of hockey movies. But the, 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 the be-all, end-all of hockey movies is Slapshot, without a doubt. And it's, it holds a special part for me because it, it was filmed in Syracuse. Um, and a lot of the characters in it are based off of people from Syracuse. And, and one of them actually went on to own the Little Caesars chain out here. Um, you know the um, the twins, the Hanson brothers? Yeah, They're based of off of people. And one of them was JP. They went on to open up the Little Caesars expansion here in Syracuse after he went on to play for the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah. So a little bit of trivia for you guys out there. Also, the the story is really about based on Gordie Howe. So, man, that's the Paul Newman character. Little things about that movie that I love. It, it is so great, and it's funny. the The parts that are supposed to be in Syracuse are actually filmed in Utica. <laughs> um, because well, Syracuse sucks so bad, it can't even be itself in a fucking movie. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so those are those are my those are my sports movies. If you want to go to the, the 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 you know the other ones that are good out there, like North Dallas Forty is fo- a football movie is great. Of course, Major League is a baseball movie. Um, that, uh, I don't know if you want to say Bull Durham or Field of Dreams as 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 much because um, I don't think it's I, I've popular. seen all those films. I prefer Major League of all those films. Actually, yeah. I like Major League I the most. Uh, and also, you can't. Can't rule out a League of Their Own, Penny Marshall, right. women director, raw. Uh, you know, I actually adore that film uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, you know, it, it's not quite historically accurate, but it's got just enough for me to be to latch onto it. Absolutely love the costuming in that movie too. So um, can't forget the Cutting Edge. Cutting Edge. Oh yeah, Ice movies got the Cutting Edge and got Ice Castles. I never really liked ice the castles. Ice. Oh my God. I know Emily's going to listen to this and go, I am not a huge fan of the ice skating subgenre of movies because they tend to be very sappy. I so, thought you not. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen I, Tanya yet. I really want to see it. I, I, I followed the Tanya Harding thing so closely when it happened because I was a huge fan of Tanya Harding. Yeah, so uh, was I. I she, was, she was poor. And I still take to this day, she's absolutely right. She could have beat Nancy Kerrigan fairly. And it just breaks my heart. It went down like that. She could have won on her own. She could have. You know what? But you know anyway. what did Tanya Harding in? That nose. Her nose is what did her in. Her nose was kind of ugly. Um, not a very I nice think that's thing what did her in. Huh? Because she was not always sticking nice into Nancy Kerrigan's business. Well... There you, you go. know, she had a lot. Anyway, we can debate <laughs> that on another, another, another time. I'm sure. So, uh, you know, Claudia Kid and and Rocky have the best sports montages ever. Of course, same director. Big surprise that it would be the same director. But uh, so, if you want montages, I always go there. 
because Rocky invented it, and you're the best around, even though the karate itself is not really that good. But the actual editing and the song, you're the best around. I just saw, once again, William Zacka and Mike Martin Cove at Days of the Dead Atlanta. Uh, I got a, a, a Johnny Lawrence doll, a Funko doll, and at a swap meet. And I was like, so I had this, I walked over and got William Zacka to sign it. So, uh, you know, the, the sequel um, trailer dropped today, by the way, Tommy, for that. Uh, the Cobra Kai spinoff. You know about that, right? Really? Yeah, William Zaka and Ralph Macchio are doing a sequel to Karate Kid called Cobra Kai. Good. And it's about Great. them running the dojo. Yeah. I'm, I don't like Karate Kid, so we're good. You don't like Karate Kid? No. Oh man, that movie has a lot of psychosis in my brain. Uh, you you have no idea how I have many issues. I I have so many issues with that movie. That's its own. That's I've written a screenplay called Karate Kid Massacre based on the screenplay of the original movie. <laughs> I I love that movie. I love the tropes in it, and you would be so surprised how easy it was to turn that warm-hearted, uplifting like underdog story into a straight-up bloodbath horror film with kung fu kick-ass sequences. Yeah. Yeah. You know what that would make you? If you actually what? made that movie? What? You know what that would make you? Hold on. Listen, listen. This is Days of the Dead, 2018, Atlanta in the Code Blue Room. You are listening to the Women of Independent Horror Panel, and you're on with the Sexy Witches. <laughs> Make you a woman horror. Did you hear that crowd? Yeah, they loved you. That is a real. It was fifty plus people. That room was standing room only, and we are against. Get this, Matthew Lillard was our competition that hour. Fucking Matthew Lillard, who's one of the best con guests in the country. Right? People go just to see him talk because he's really good at being a con guest. Right? And yet we still had a huge room, and we were flattered, so flattered that everyone came to see the panel. So thank you again, everybody, at Days of the Dead Atlanta. So, so I, I'm going to be – What kind of learning experience did you have with this? What? With, um, with the what did you learn from your experience? experience? What kind of learning um, – I'm asking you what went wrong. Yes. What, what, all right. what went wrong and bothered you? What what went wrong and bonded me? Actually, it's not really something that went wrong. It's something that Stacy Pippi said during the panel, and it struck okay. me as truth. And and it really reminded me of what this is all about. And um, and it's something that my acting teacher, I had an improvisational acting teacher way back in the day in high school, and he said something very similar to me. And what she said was that all we want is the chance to fail. <laughs> and and it struck me, and that's exactly right. It's not about we want to make put our films out there and and you know and you know hey we're women here's our movies. No, it's not like that. We want to be able to like 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 shoot a film, have no money, starve, bleed, cut, 
um, you know, lose our lose our actor at the last minute, run out of money for food, uh, get lost in the woods and can't find our way out. We just want to be able to do that shit too. <laughs> it's not about fun. It's about struggle. We want to be able to have struggle without stupid, stupid obstacles that don't need to be there. There's already plenty of them as there is. For anybody in the independent film industry, for that matter. Not just film. Anyway, sorry, Tommy. I'm, I'm off no, my it's not just film. It's not just film. It's also writing. It's also in music. It's it, it, it's it, the stage. It's everywhere. It's consistent. That's what the problem is. It's consistent. You know, that's why people get annoyed after a while. You know, you get told the same things over and over again. Oh. You're like, you know, really. Really? No, no, you know, something no. Something that's lately that's making it just a little bit easier? It's something that was talked about on Archivists when you had the Saska twins on there. It's yep, something yep. that New York State Attorney General is deciding he's going to press charges against a scumbag named Harvey Weinstein. So one last thing you're going to have to worry about, ladies out there right now trying to make it, is scumbags like Harvey Weinstein. They may still exist, but if you run into one, guess what? You can get rid of him right away. Well, let's okay. hope so. Let's hope some positivity comes out of all of this. None yeah, of this is pleasant. Absolutely. Nobody wants to tell these stories. They're they're heart wrenching to talk about. You know, uh, you know. So let's 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 get let's get to the point where we can fix this. We get some closure, some justice, and then some fucking healing. My God, you know. <laughs> I just want to make movies. I want to watch movies. Right. I want to do podcasting about movies. You know. Let's let's talk about one of the best movies that's out there. A movie that I call the greatest vampire movie of our day. My favorite splatterpunk vampire movie, and one of genre fiction's best female voices. I would say, wouldn't you not, Liz? Well, she's definitely one of the most famous at this point. That would be Catherine Bigelow, and this is your yes. pick is Near Dark, right? Yeah, and it's funny because I don't normally recommend this film, but I thought it paired well with tonight's conversation since it's also a Western on top of being a vampire film. And it's a way yeah. to combine Western and horror and have it successfully executed. I love the horror Western subgenres, and you, you get them once in a while, that work or almost not work. Uh, my personal favorites would be there's the uh, was it the Burrowers, which is really depressing and good. And uh, recently, Bone Tomahawk was really good. Um, I'm trying to think of other Western horror, but this is actually very. This is earlier. This is '87, so it's 31 years ago. Uh, it and Lost Boys came out within a week of each other. Is that right, Tommy? I know. Like, yeah, really you're close. Out. Near Dark got buried in the, lost, uh, in the Lost Boys makeup and hairspray. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've talked about this before. We won't, we won't retread it. Um, if you want, yeah, you can go we back talked look- about this on my yeah. panel. The first panel I moderated, Scares as It Cares, 1987, because there's this huge, of course, you know, Lost Boys versus Near Dark. That's its own podcast. We don't have to talk about that right now. This is specifically yeah, about right. Near Dark because – of course, it has the late, great Bill Paxton in one of his earlier roles, and actually one of my favorites. I, uh, he is so good in this That's movie. Uh, uh, you had many, Lance, uh, Billy the Kid. Oh, yeah. Lance Hedrington is also in this, and he is so, James. so good. 
uh, and and uh, he's also a vampire in this. And um, and then there's one of my favorite actresses, and people do not give her credit. I think when it comes to 80s films, people often go to Dee Wallace, deservedly so. I'm not saying anything about Dee Wallace. I'm just saying they go to her, they go to a couple other 80s women. But I would say Jeanette Goldstein is also should be right in the mix. Well, yeah. one of the best actresses of the 80s. Uh, she is so good in this. Look how diverse she is in her characterizations. You you have Diamond Rio here in uh, Near Dark, her cantina whore that she basically is a vampire that she plays, um, the lover of Jesse's character, K.K.A. Come on, let's call him who he is. He's Jesse James. All right. And then you've got um, her character in Aliens, Vasquez. She got a Jew playing a, a, a Latino. It's beautiful. Well, she's also British. Don't forget that. She's British, actually. She's a British citizen. There you go. So, uh, she's a, she's, she is, she is a, well, she's well-rounded, and, that, and she's a truly great actress. And character actresses, that's why she gets overlooked. Because she's able to go hide in these roles. She disappears into them. And you forget that there's an actress there, like Vasquez. How many people actually, like, even knew that who was under all that makeup, you know? I didn't even right. think of Vasquez as – I just thought of Vasquez as a strong woman. I never actually saw anything other than, wow, Vasquez is a badass. I'm going to watch this film. And I love Vasquez. She's one of my favorites. But she's really good in this, too. Uh, she's, the, the whole cast is very good. The only, only complaint I've ever really, truly had about this film, uh, Near Dark, is the ending. I think that the, it's a bit of a cheat, um, you know, the, the whole transfusion thing. I don't thing. think that was the real ending. And huh? I'll tell you why. I don't think that was the original ending as it was originally written. Because Eric Red's the co-writer on this. If you know anything about Eric Red and his work, you know you've probably seen Bad Moon, for example. Um, he doesn't like to have happy endings. Okay, he's a traditional splatterpunk writer, right? And I, I think that you saw Catherine Bigelow changing that ending. That's where her writing came into this reflection with this story. And maybe, you know, I, I, I don't know much about it. I just always thought it was a little bit of a cop-out. But the movie is so good that it actually holds up at the very end. I don't think it's ultimately an issue. Uh, you know, there's some sequences in this film that are considered on the top 100 scariest moments in film history, uh, the sequence in the bar, uh, yeah. which is Bill Paxton at his, like, absolute most unhinged. And it is really like anybody that's into gore would have to say that that moment probably was one of the best gore moments of the year that, of 87. That, so. that changed, that scene changed my life. Um, cause it was shortly after this, that watching this movie that I got exposed to the splatter punk authors and I sought them out because of this movie. Now that I had seen this and what happened like this with the vampires, I went right away to Nancy A. Collins and Sonya Blue. Sunglasses After well, Dark. This would be an excellent, if you've never seen it, you want a good solid vampire film with a little bit of Western flavor. You can't go wrong with this movie. I think it still holds up. And I recommend it. I always, every Halloween, listen to the trailer. It's on my permanent mix of uh, Halloween classics and trailers. So, um, so yay, Catherine Bigelow. Um, 
But we got more to talk about, don't we, Tommy? Yeah, yeah we do. Well, um, I don't yeah. per se, I don't want to say I have a favorite, but I do have one that I want to have, bring attention to. It is, it's not necessarily one that I'm fond of, the product. But the product is related to our other topic this night, being Joss Whedon. Okay, I'm talking about Frank Cousy, and she's a director uh, and producer of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the movie, and she was heavily involved in the TV show. She's been heavily involved in many TV shows since then, too. Okay, um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is very notable because of its pop culture impact, and it's basically what launched Whedon into the public eye, I think. Um... You had people working on it, like Jane Espenson. How do you fucking say her name? Espenson. Jane Espenson. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, worked on Once Upon a Time, Battlestar Galactica. Um, somebody that I've met before, um, one of my favorite uh, horror writers out there, Yvonne Navarro. She did the novelization adaptations of Buffy the Vampire Slayer as it was a television show, and some Angel as well. Um so you you can't deny the pop culture impact something like Buffy the Vampire Slayer had, and it, it's very similar to Near Dark in that it it takes a traditional trope and twists it on its head and mashes it up with something else. Buffy the Vampire Slayer has taken your traditional high school teen comedy and twisted it on its head and mashed it up with with uh, uh, urban fantasy. We'll call it that. Um, and vampires. And pushed them together and, and made a whole new genre of fiction in doing so. I, I think Buffy the Vampire Slayer is one of the primary reasons we started getting young adult fiction in the horror genre. And thank God for that. Except for Twilight. Fuck Twilight. Actually, I forgive Twilight. I, Fifty Shades of Grey. I don't forgive that. That's bad fiction. It should be so much better than it is. Oh, my God. You want to talk about a train wreck of a movie? Oh, oh my God. We won't go there. That's another thing. I digress. You know, it's too bad because that's like women directed and written and everything. It's everything I should want. There's sex and and, and, and whips and stuff. And what the fuck, dude? Anyway. Uh, I digress. I, I, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I don't know why this came up. So let's talk about what our actual subject. Maybe it's because Marina Bactrin is in this, and you want to talk about sexy witches. Uh, Marina all right, all Bactrin right. might be like, let's bring it into that because her whole part of this story is sex, and it's awesome. So you know, well, posit- sex positivity. I love sex positivity. Let's remind our listeners right now, Liz, if they can call in, if they want to, they can call 646-716-9172, and they can talk to us right now. Because we're going to, after we take a little break here, because i got to go see a man about a horse. Um, Oh, okay. Yeah, when we Uh, come back. Don't forget to wear your blue bonnet, okay, as you go outside. I I won't. I won't. i got to get my brown coat when I go, though. Yeah, well, you know, it's dialing my love, take my land, take me where I cannot stand. I don't care, I'm still free. You can't take the sky from me. Take me out, 
kind of rocks yeah, it's it's all right it's good it's a good slide guitar song it's all right i like it it's catchy it's catchy it's catchy there's a lot of things okay i i know i went into this say i hadn't watched firefly but uh, that was a, a fallacy i've watched some of firefly and i'll tell you i initially bailed on it when the series first run because hey well i I didn't know they were showing out a fucking order first off. Number two, I, I didn't really like the production appearance. And I, I didn't care for the mythology. And I, I think it's because I didn't understand what the mythology was. Plus, 16 years ago, karaoke was more fun on Friday night than sitting home watching TV. Fox knew that. That's why they put it there. <laughs> yeah, it's the Friday night death slot. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Now, Yeah, I, I oh said, my God. Wonderful. Since then, I have, I have since then I avoided the show, not because of my preconceived perception of it, but because it's fans, the brown coats. Um, they make New England Patriots fans look humble. Um, they're as insufferable <laughs> as Trekkies. All right. Um, oh make, no, actually, I would say Trekkies are way follow- often way classier than brown coats can be. Oh God, they make followers of Goku look like they could lose. I don't know. Uh, but now that I've <laughs> okay. watched the series, I understand its appeal to the fan base. I understand why they're so rabid. The cast is very likable. I also figured out that my initial reason not for liking the show is the same reason that I really don't give a shit about the show now, that I've watched it. Um, and I think there are the psychological reasons the show met an early death. Because I went into this growing saying to myself, why is this show that everybody raves about love so much... Why was it canceled after fucking nine, 11 episodes? Why? I asked myself. So, I watched the series, and I looked at it, and I, I, I tried to understand. All right? The, to me, you know, the, the show's aesthetic is too clean for a space drama and a Western. You know, there's dirt and oil, guys. All right? Um, the cast is too pretty, too. Uh, especially Adam Baldwin's character. Adam Baldwin drives me up a fucking wall. Every time yeah, I see him... like I'm, Dan? Every time I see him in a fucking movie, I'm like, are you shitting me? Or a TV show. It's like, Chuck. I wanted to love Chuck. I love, you know, but fucking Adam Baldwin's in. I'm like, are you kidding me? He's he's the non-Baldwin bad Baldwin. Because he's not related to the other motherfuckers. Okay? He just happens to have their last name. So, so Liz, I'm going to go down through here. Here are the reasons why. Firefly was canceled. Why was the show as popular as Firefly canceled? Number one, we've talked about this just now. The Friday night death slot. It was shown yes. out of chronological order. They showed episode three, then they showed episode what? Uh, two. Two. Right. And then they went back and, and then finally one. showed episode. And then they showed one. And then they didn't show their tits until episode nine. All right. And I'll get to that in a minute. All right. So 
they get the they get the, the death sentence around episode nine. Episode eleven, it's ended. The fucking fan campaign starts up now. I can understand these fan campaigns. I was actively involved in the fan campaign for Jericho. All right? Uh, so, nuts. That's all I'm going to say. So, I, I know how people feel about trying to save a beloved TV show. All right? So, again, this part of the reason is it didn't get off its ass fast enough. The show spun its wheels in the mud before showing us its tits. And if it had shown people its tits in, say, the second episode, this show wouldn't have been canceled. But it waited till the ninth episode to do so. And it got canceled two episodes later. The other problem is it I, lied. I, it's a it victim has to of be by episode time. six. You have to really, like, do something by episode six or you'll lose your audience. That's when Game right. of Thrones, I knew it was going to be a, a masterful show with episode six. Do you know what I'm saying? And this didn't. I thought episode no. three was really good. I really enjoyed episode three. Pilot's okay. really good. That's the pilot episode. And the pilot episode is a nice little piece of dark fiction. I really enjoy it. Yes. Absolutely is. But it, it, was, it wasn't enough. There wasn't enough of the mythology behind it to get people interested in it. And, and again, I'm not going to... You're right. I made this post on Facebook, and I want to read it. Okay. Oh, it's long. Do you have to read the whole thing? It's only going to be like three minutes long when I read it. Firefly marginalizes or ignores the dark side of its inspiration, and as a result, it becomes epic poo. All right. And more than anything, it's why the show didn't last half a season in a movie. It's not because it was shown out of order either. It's because it's uninspired. Right? That's part of the problem. I don't discredit the cast and any member. They're stellar, and the only thing that keeps it watchable for me. I think it's because of them that the show has had a lasting cult following. It absolutely is. It's not because of the plot that never launched. If it hadn't been for that cast, it would have gone the way of Wizards and Warriors or Man from Atlantis. Do you remember those shows? I love Wizards and Warriors, all right? Yeah, but do people go to conventions for fucking Wizards and Warriors? No, they don't. Okay. I loved fucking- Wizards and Warriors, all right? It was unsung. I loved it too. Yeah, I know. The guy the like the hell that was like the cast and taxi doing fucking D and D cosplay it was great. All right. Now, oh. um here's the problem. This is what I, this is here's where I'm thinking there's where I say that Firefly is a victim of bad timing. It came out in two thousand two. We had already gone to war on the war on terror. People knew what war looked like and what the ramifications of war were. Firefly was too pretty, too clean, too pristine to exist in a time period where that happened. People couldn't suspend disbelief when they watched it because of that. And that's the main reason that it failed. Because of a fucking war. A year later after this goes off, what succeeds by recognizing the war and and by uh, using the war as uh, part of the inspiration for it, using its actual product as metaphor for the war? Battlestar Galactica, for example. 
that's why that succeeded and went on to have in four seasons. Well, there's a and lot of overlap writers, between these right. two shows, though. You've got to remember, they got yes, some the writers, of the same show the writers. And don't forget, yep. the Serenity is part of the colonial ship, uh, fleet on Vladoscar Galactica because it's the same production company, too. Yes, it is. Yes. And, and Joss Whedon put Whalen Yutani Corporation in his universe. Yes, I understand mm-hmm. that. Now, here's a problem I have with the, with the Alliance and, the, and, and the, the presentation of the Alliance. If you dress them up like the fucking Imperial Army in the fucking Star Wars, have them act that way. Have them be bad guys. Have them be the USA and be fucking just the fucking guys that make sure you cross the street right. Don't do that with them. Don't have them be those people. Have them be the real fucking bad guys. Without well, doing that, you don't... here's the thing. You're, you're, you're kind of missing the point because most of this story is seen through the eyes of what Mal interprets the world as. And he sees any authority as annoying and imperialistic no matter what they are. So there's a little bit of metaphor going on with that. I I understand. I understand. But they they fuck around with the adventure of the week, with the hall of the week, for, for fucking eight episodes before they finally decide to bring in the shadow organization. Well, they should have done that probably in the third episode. Maybe the second. I, I say the... The blue man, do, Maybe, the blue, know, was it the blue, the blue hands man, right? Is that what you're talking about when they make their first appearance? Yes. Yeah, th- those are those are truly frightening villains, and we don't get a lot of. And there, there's no reavers in the TV show, though they're talked about a lot, and and that's supposed to be one of the arch villains on the TV show. And you know, I, I want to give a little bit of a, a defense over because I know that you consider Battlestar Galactica superior to Firefly, and in many ways you may be right. Um, I, but there's also something that I don't think that Battlestar Galactica had that. Firefly didn't, and that is the Elstar Galactica already had source material. So it was actually a lot easier to glean from the past and create a pilot where Joss Whedon is trying to build a brand new universe, and he's taking his own sweet time because he's a writer. That is a problem, especially on Fox. Fox has no patience for that. They didn't have patience for the show in the beginning. I mean, they, they really didn't support him through most of the shoot. Um, they changed, the, you know, what he was allowed to shoot on, uh, how much money, of course. Always mucking, messing with his money. Uh, you know, it, it was one of those things, you know, that he never, that wasn't really, Fox wasn't really the right fit for this show. Um, you know, and so there is a lot of bad timing. You are right about that because there's also, yeah, the, the world does change when this show finally drops. And, you know, and it kind of got swept under the rug like a lot of things did in that time period, uh, especially around 2003. 2003 was when all the shit went down, and here comes Battlestar Galactica going, we get it. <laughs> here, look yep. at us. We're yep. shiny. <laughs> you know, so, but there's still, once again, a lot of overlap, and I always kind of, like, have the idea that maybe after, and I, at the end of Battlestar Galactica, they decide to abandon all technology and start over. So I always had this, like, idea that maybe this is years and years and years later, and Firefly is still the only ship left, and he's, you know, making hops to all the outer bank westerny towns and stuff. That, you know, that, it could fit in the Battlestar Galactica universe, because there's, like, thousands and Years apart, right? 
Hundreds so, of thousands of years apart. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it could actually fit in the same universe in a way because the uh, firefly is, is like the Millennium Falcon. It's old when we meet it, right? Uh, you know, Serenity is a very old ship. So, uh, she, you know, as a matter of fact, he actually loves her because she knows what she can do, right? Um, so I, I also agree with you about the characters. I think the characters are better than the actual show. They hold up. People love Nathan Fillion and Maul, and Maul is often cosplayed by males, females, everybody, uh, because, you know, he, he's like everyone's – he's Han Solo. And Just because he looks like fucking Han shoot. Solo. He is Han Solo, but he's allowed to shoot first, and that's what makes him awesome. Because Han Solo used to be able to shoot first, but now he can't shoot first anymore. But, matter of fact, he has to sacrifice himself on a fucking bridge. Um, <laughs> you know, Mal isn't going to do that. Fuck that. You know, fuck that. I am not going to sacrifice myself there. You know, he's awesome that way. He, you know, I, I, I actually really love Nathan Fillion anyways, though. But, so I think... His Mal is a pretty iconically fun character to watch, and the supporting cast is so good in this. And Summer Glau, uh, I really wish you saw the movie because she's so good in the movie. I've seen the movie; it's just been a while. Like I didn't start remembering stuff about the show until I started watching it again. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh Jesus, this is why I didn't like this. I don't like the fights in it. The fights are bad. Well, there's always a lot of action sequences. When they have them, they're horrible. Especially because Adam Baldwin's in most of them. That's why. (laughs) You're just predispositioned to not like him. It's just like, and and Joss Whedon's writing. You you tend to rank on his writing a lot. Can I I say this? I'm going to come right out and say it. He's shit on the Avengers. He shit on the Avengers, and he shit on Age of Ultron. I, I want to say that I personally love both Avenger movies, okay? And and they're two. I am not a Marvel fan, but I like those two movies. And I thought the I, first Avengers movie was so much fun. The last twenty minutes of that film. Yeah, I won't a deny that. And I like. I like a lot of the movie. I don't like the story as much as I wanted to. No, the, the whole overall and Age movie of Ultron, has, just, I, I, I think Age of Ultron is pretty good. And a lot of it has to do with James Spader's performance. And I, I, and I love the scene where they're drunk and they're all trying to lift Thor's hammer. It's awesome. You have to admit that made you giddy when you watched it. Like, you have to well, admit that. There are parts Especially of Age of Ultron with, that uh, I enjoy. <laughs> I won't deny that. Overall, I don't like the movie. Uh, it, like most Marvel films, it, I, said, I actually like the two Joss Whedon movies the most. And my second favorite is, uh, but I'm weird because I like the Shane Black movie. I like the Iron Man 3 movie, believe it or not. I like Iron Man 3. Uh, and a lot of people don't like it. I, I thought it was one of the best written of the, of the sh- of those movies. You know, I, Go back and watch it again, guys. I think the Shane I, Black was really on to something with that film. You know, and I actually loved how it kind of completed Iron Man's story arc to what a real hero is supposed to be. And I kind of love that about the Shane Black movie. 
It's not bad. Well, it I like Iron Man it's... 3. Oh, okay, good. Well, I'm glad you do. Anyway, let's go back to Serenity. Uh, so so you, you didn't see the movie part of the movie, which all the things you're complaining about got fixed in the movie. You know, it didn't. The action sequences got better. The storylines got fleshed out. We finally got Reavers, which is something that they promised on the TV show. We never got the Reavers, never. They, they gave Summer Glau's backstory a lot more weight to it, so it mattered. Uh, you know, K and B did the special effects, uh, so they're a lot more cinematic than the TV show. Um, Alan Tudyk is as Wash. Oh my God! Oh my God! Do you remember what happens to Wash in the movie? Wash is Alan Tudyk. He's the he's the pilot. It, no, I don't remember. The, the Hawaiian shirt. I remember I remember Ron Glass dies. That's all I remember. Ron Glass does die, yes. Uh, his name is Book, right? Chapman Book, right. I believe his name is. I actually never really felt that character got, was as interesting as it could have been. I think, And, and Ron Glass is really good. Uh, he, was, I just, he was comic he, relief. He's a special place in hell for you, Liz. Yeah. <laughs> And the, speaking of the uh, Reavers, uh, they remind me of the fucking what? Zuni doll. The Zuni doll. Kind of, yeah. You know, they've definitely got that, like, wiry ass thing going and on. And the reason I bring uh, that up is because I will give them, I will give uh, Whedon and Midian um, some credit. Especially, uh, I think it's episode two. Or is it three that's got the, the ship that they get into that's empty, deserted ship? Or is it episode four? I'm not sure. I don't, uh, I don't remember the order. It depends the, on which one. You go into, they go into the ship and there's just a red balloon hanging in there. And they, they find the one person that's li- alive. And um, there's a lot of horror elements in that episode. And they tried to bring that in there. And that's one thing. Uh, Whedon's good at taking pop culture... And, and putting it into his thing to use it to help scare. So uh, again, that Zuni doll, that that I think the design is by that think that was put there by design to help try to scare you and bring up emotion. The same as putting the fucking well, red, the red balloon from fucking it in an episode. You gotta think of the Reavers this way. They are the precursor to the Walking Dead because that you know it's definitely that like zombie scarification aesthetic that the KNB will end up being perfecting with Walking Dead, which I think is, to this day, even though I have issues with the show, it's still the best zombie makeup overall out there, right? So, um, I, so there, I actually think there's a lot to love about Serenity. I, I come at this not as a brown coat, but as a, a Whedon fan. I, I, I'm a Josh Whedon fan. I like most of his work. I think he, I like his writing. I like Buffy. Didn't love Angel as much as Buffy, but mostly because it was complicated. It was a complicated relationship I tried to with like that show. Angel. I tried to like it, but then, you know, it got too fomance for me. I watched the last, the last season I actually thought was pretty good when they took over the lawyer agency. I thought that was actually kind of a fun season. And it kind of, even though it ends weirdly, I kind of like the idea that in my mind, Angel will be perpetually fighting a dragon. And I, <laughs> that's kind of awesome. <laughs> that's how they ended Angel. 
angels fighting a dragon at the end of the apocalypse. Hey, you know, it's all good. We like that. He'll be alive. He'll be fine. So, um, you know, I, so I, doll, Dollhouse is a mixed bag, I think, but I absolutely love Elijah Jusku. So I think, and she holds it together, and she's kind of precursor of what we'll see in Orphan Black, right? So uh, yep. in, in some of those shows. Um, so, I mean, Whedon has influenced a lot of people, whether, whether they admit it or not. I think Josh Whedon, and he gets a lot of shit about his writing. He does. He absolutely does. But I think he's some of the best dialogue out there. His, his characters are always witty and fun. He loves fucking around with tropes. And anytime someone takes a trope and then twists it a little bit, it's always, uh, in my book, a lot of fun. It's really hard to write comedy and horror at the same time. And Buffy the Vampire Slayer uh, shows that in both its positive and its negative aspects, how hard that is. But when it works, it works. And Jonas Reason's dialogue, when it works, it works. And I just don't think he had enough time with Serenity and Firefly to really do what he wanted to do. And it's kind of amazing how devoted the fan base is to this day. Oh, God, they're rabid. Okay, and I've trolled a lot of people this week on social media, um, giving them the impression that I hate this show. And I don't hate this show. I don't dislike it anymore. Um, I understand its place. Much like I, you know, really don't care for ACDC, but I understand their place in music, too. Um, would this show have been the cult phenomenon it became if it had gone on longer? Uh, I don't know if I could say it wouldn't be. I think it would have established itself a little more, though, so that, say, a show like Babylon 5 did. You know, do you really see people... You know, frothing over Babylon Five? No, you don't, do you? Yeah, but Babylon Five was under underestimated. That show kicked ass. Yeah, but you don't see people going out of their way to go see shit for that at a convention, and you do see it for Firefly. You do. You see, I I know people have gone as entire groups of you know as Firefly, like the entire group went as as the group. So what is the problem? Amazing. What is the problem then? Why hasn't something like somebody like Netflix or Amazon Prime reached out to Joss Whedon and say, "Hey, we see a fucking gold mine here." Well, but we may be. I mean, you got to remember they just announced the new round of comic books. books. Yep, the novels. Right? Yeah, uh, so uh, there's definitely movement in Firefly and Serenity. I've seen quite a bit of movement in that part of, like, that fandom. So maybe maybe we're being primed, because that's the thing. I think that if this came out, like, recently, like, a little bit earlier, like, like in the last five years, it might have been one of those places, because Joss Whedon couldn't get another network to pick it up, right? So uh, Netflix might have snatched it up and released a, a season, but that's a different time period. We weren't to that, you know, this, so, you know, maybe it's just a slightly behind, ahead of its time that way. But, it, you know, well, we'll never we've know. We see Netflix bring back, you know, Full House, Reimagine, yes, Full House. We, we've seen other yeah. shows brought back um, on, on these new streaming services. So who, who's to say this may not ever come back? Well, Will the I mean, we're getting a fucking Karate Kid sequel, so TV show, so on Netflix. 
So, or no, it's YouTube Red. YouTube Red, they're doing it. Uh, so if, if, if Karate Kid can have a sequel, Serenity and everyone still young and, and energetic and very active in the geek culture, you know, yeah, maybe we could get an update to Serenity or Firefly. I don't know if I would want another TV series. I think I would be completely happy with like maybe a mini series, like, like, like something that's like they're going to do with the last season of Game of Thrones, like two or three mega episodes instead of like a whole season. I think, and just, you know, kind of finish up all the storylines, get us back into that universe and, and give us everything we want and then subvert it and then out. I think that would be awesome. Don't you? Yeah. Just, you know, yeah, yeah I think be. that would be good. I don't think it would be awesome. A... <laughs> it could be. I mean, they did that for Twin Peaks. Everyone loves the new Twin Peaks. I didn't watch the new Twin Peaks. That's actually I, on I my list. Either. I still haven't seen the original Twin Peaks all the way through. Well, so. <laughs> and that's another problem that I have. Let's get back, let's get back to the, the fact that he didn't show us his tits soon enough. And, and for, yeah. And, and, and this is a lesson that he could have learned from J.J. Abrams. Um, you and from David Lynch. You, you know, with Twin Peaks, he got you interested right away with who killed Laura Palmer, right off the bat. So immediately in the first episode, you have a question. Yes, we just, you know, granted, we don't find fucking... He doesn't answer problems. your question, though. Doesn't matter. The reason he doesn't answer your question is because it's to make you come back for more to try to get that answer. And while you're coming back, he asks you more questions. He keeps asking. I don't more. think That's he the knew problem. the answer. Serenity it's never did thing. that. He had it a couldn't. plan for a seven-year series. He had a beginning and a fucking end. He knew what he was going to do. He should have just started right off the bat, that first episode, that they should have been on the run from the Alliance and the dark people within the Alliance. That's what they should have been right that. on the I, I, It wasn't really about that, though. That's not what the story is about. It's not them evading the Alliance. The it's about, about picking their pieces up after the war and being on the losing side and having to start over. That's what this is really about. It's not. Of, of the war. Okay, and this is another problem that I fucking have with this show. All right? And, and again, this is a Vic. This is. Whedon, you're the fault for this. Okay? It's epic poo. And it's epic poo because. Epic poo theory. And, and the reason it is, is because there is war as a setting, but there is no evil in the war. There is no ramifications from the war. You don't have a dark side to the fucking war. You know what? In reality, war has a dark side. It really does. All right? And if this is uh, uh, inspired and based on the American Civil War and the expansion to the West, where's the slavery? And I don't mean the actual slavery that happened in our time, in our world, but where is the trope? Where is the plot device? Where is the portion of the story that one of the two fucking sides is that person is the slavery side is the one that has the dark secret or the darkness to them was the bad guy in the war the invading power nobody is not the alliance not the fucking independence neither of them are and that's the problem that i have with this fucking thing what, are you, you really sure that the good guy 
but you're assuming that Mal is a good guy. He's not. The crew of the Serenity are bad guys. They're outlaws. No, the Serenity are outlaws. They are outlaws. They are they are Robin Hood. You know, they they, they break rules. Yes. They rob banks. They they steal Where's from people. They, they they make Where's bad Prince deals. John and their sheriff. They don't have a Prince They're... John and a sheriff. They don't. Well, they do in the movie. In the movie, there is definitely a uh, there's a sheriff of Nottingham. It's a you know it's a, he's called himself the opera, uh, operative and he's played by uh, Chido Elijah. Lu- yeah. Oh my God, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know what you're name. talking about. Elijah Ford. Mr. Echo. Uh, Mr. Echo. He's awesome. He's awesome in the movie. Um, you know he he is you know he he he's almost he's so law and order it's almost a religion for him. And he's very opposite of Mal's character, who thinks what thinks that even the Coke machine is against him. You know, <laughs> you know the whole world, fuck the world. Still, me. where's the you dark know? secret? Did the Alliance just kill a whole bunch of fucking independents like the fucking uh, Empire did by blowing up Alderaan? Did they do something well, like that? Well, no. they do hint at that. They do hint at that. They hint that Mal was actually at that battle. Um, and it ended the war. They actually do hint at that, but they never really go back okay. into uh, that story. We uh, never get to hear about the war. I have a feeling we would have if it continued. I'm not talking about a Hiroshima Nagasaki type thing that ends the war like it did there. Okay, I'm talking about tra- uh, 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 travesties of justice, injustices that they've done, war crimes. There is none of that. None of that well, on either side. Once again, I think that was going to be explained more. Like the Reavers are are kind of a, a, a odd odd like spinoff they're of that. They're created they by the Alliance. It. I know. Yeah, uh, but they're created by the Alliance on accident, and it's because they're experimenting on their own people. Uh, right. So, uh, and actually, that's why I was like, and it's actually rather terrifying. Not the Reaver part, but what happened to you if you did become a Reaver. You just got so passive that you just laid down and died. I mean, it's like the creepiest thing. You know, <laughs> it's like there's some really dark elements to the movie. That's uh, why, I like, I, I really like think the movie like fixes all the problems you're complaining about now. And I, I do think, I think that there's more stories. I think story. the movie's rushed. To me, it's rushed. A little. A little bit. A little bit. I wouldn't say it's not. Um, I want you to try it again. I don't want to tell you what happens to Alan Tudyk's character because that is one of the biggest plot points in the movie. So I'm not going to tell you, but you really should rewatch it and then you'll remember and you'll be like, Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, um, uh, and uh, I, I like summer Glau. It's funny cause I wasn't really a huge fan of hers until I saw Serenity and then I thought she was really good. And, and the action sequences, like they choreographed, some like serious, serious choreography for her in those sequences. They had several people and they taught her more than, they took a bunch of martial arts and ballet, mixed them together and created something new for her. So I, I you know, so watch what she's doing. She's doing some amazing stuff in the action sequences. Uh, you know so what's disappointing keep... to me though? What? Is with all of this fame and fortune that this cast has got, they're all been regulated. It's the TV genre show hell. They're well, all stuck I, I wouldn't call Nathan Dillon being the star of his own show for eight years hell. I mean, he was I, in you know, I, Castle. I'm not saying it's hell, but 
none of them have broken out on the big screen as 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 a list actors, uh, go to actors, big stars. There's no, no there's, none of them have become a Chris Hemsworth, for example. No, but Alan Tudyk is famous in his own right, and in our geek world, he is my geek husband. So there's like two people I would marry. Alan Tudyk would be one, and the other one's Simon Pegg. What's, uh, what's so, the appeal of him? Is it because he looks like a normal nerd? I love normal nerds. Are you kidding? They're cute. He look, that's so, that's it then. That's exactly it. I can't, I hit it on the head. He looks like a normal yeah, nerd. No. Alan Todex is a geek husband all the way, you know. Uh, I, he's adorable. He's totally adorkable, and he's funny. And, you know, funny goes a long way with women. You should know that. I mean, yes, Nathan, it does. Nathan Fillion, honestly, is the only guy, uh, celebrity, I've ever had a sex dream about, though. You want me to tell you that story? No, 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 it's, no, it's no, creepy conspiracy, no. It's, it's a conspiracy no. story, uh, you'll like it. No, I don't want to Oh, you've been it. saying tits, you've been saying tits this entire episode, and I can't tell you about my sex dream about Nathan Fillion. I'm using his metaphor for something, but okay, tell us about your sex dream with Nathan Fillion. And okay. I'll make sure we tag James Gunn in this so he can listen and get a laugh. First of all, I don't have sex dreams. I lucid dream, so if there was anything like that would happen, I would shut the dream down anyways, normally. I was on a cruise in Alaska, okay, Alaska, fucking Alaska. And I had this weirdest dream about Nathan Fillion, who just, like, divorced whoever he was dating and then hooked up with me. And I, to this day, still think that they were pumping something into the cabin to make me hallucinate, to have that dream. Because it doesn't, I would have never had that normally. And I like Nathan Fillion. I think he's hot. If he asked me on a date, would I say no? Oh, I would not say no. <laughs> There's no way. But how do they know that? How do they reach into my brain and choose hold on, Nathan Fillion? Hold on. Amy, make sure Amy Schumer is not listening. We don't want her to steal this routine. Okay. okay. Go on. Continue. All right. Well, that's it. I'm done. I'm just like, I still think that's what they did. I, I, I To this day, I still think they pumped something, which is like really creepy because that's what they do in Serenity in the big movie when they turn the reverse is they pumped like gas into their atmosphere to pacify them, right? And here in real life, this cruise ship is doing it to me and making me have sex dreams without Nathan Fillion. So, anyway, I digress. Nice conspiracy theory. Yeah, told you. Would you have a show about (laughs) conspiracy theories, don't you? Yeah, it's 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 called uh, it's a Patreon exclusive podcast. The only way you can listen to it is if you're a Patreon subscriber for Project Entertainment Network, and uh, it comes out March first. It's called "You Got to Be Kidding Me," uh, or actually, the real name of it, "You Got to Be Fucking Kidding Me." It is uh, we debunk uh, conspiracy theories, Liz. Me and uh, writer Skip Novak. Well, that sounds like fun. Oh yeah. So, uh, so if- far, we've. Uh, talked about Elvis because guys guess what Elvis died yeah <laughs> okay uh, we uh-huh. talked about Tide Pods guess what you're not supposed to fucking eat them all right um we've talked about JFK assassination because that's like the holy grail of conspiracy theories and you can't live in your life without being touched by that in some manner whatever you think is a conspiracy theory for it okay all right um <laughs> we talked about the, the fake quote-unquote moon landing okay 
which guess what, guys? We landed on the moon. Why haven't we gone back? It's expensive, and it's just rock. We've got enough rock from there. All right. These are the largest fucking dirt haulers. I mean, the most expensive dirt haulers in the history of man. Okay. That's what astronauts are. All right. That's all they've been. If you've gone to the moon, you've been a dirt mover. That's all you've been. Okay. We don't need to do it anymore. Thank you. All right. And we also talked about flat earth because guess what, guys? The earth is fucking round. Okay. Copernicus. That's all I'm going to say. Anyway. Yeah. So those are the episodes that we've got now. And you get to listen to them. Uh, they'll come out. Uh, Twice a month, uh, over the next oh, cool. few uh, months. Yeah. When you do so. the birther, when you do birther episodes, let me know. I know quite a bit uh, about that subject. We're, our next one is anti-vaxxers. We're going to be talking about that soon, me and After this year's flu oh, season, yeah. I want to. We need to talk about this fucking idiots. Well, <laughs> anyway. that's another story. But going back to Serenity, what's your, so what's your final thoughts? Because we should wrap this up for the night. And um, uh, so. final thoughts, uh, again, I understand uh, its place. Is it for me? I don't. It's not for me. It's not my thing. I don't. I don't really care for it that much. It's all right. It's passable. Um, I'm, I'm not going to mock it. I'm not going to make fun of it because there's nothing to make fun of with it. It's got its. It's got its. It's got its short ends. No need for me to talk about them anymore. Uh, those are the reasons that I don't like it, but that's my personal preference. Uh, there's millions of people out there, literally, that fucking love this show. All right? I'm not going to belittle you for liking this show because I can see why you do. All right? It, it, it's, it's a fun show. It's just not for Tom. That's it. So, so Liz. Well, yes. What's next? Because it'll be my what? turn this time around, right? Yes. Yeah, sure. Now, I came right out of the... Out, Guns blazing, saying you know I I hadn't watched Firefly in its entirety, that so that was mine. So are you gonna offer yourself? Well, oh I was gonna let I I I I wouldn't want I don't want to do another science fiction show because we've done two now. But okay, um, what would what would you I, you need to assign me something? I gave you a list of things I could think of I hadn't seen yet. Um. <clears throat> Uh, you know, it's been what? so long since I saw that list. I can't remember what's on it. <laughs> well, the one that I I pointed out that I thought you'd be really surprised about uh, was um, Shame. Rock and Roll High School. Shame. Shame. Rock you know, and Roll High I, School. I've never seen Shame. Rock and Roll High School. Huh. Really? Have you? Oh, I haven't. You haven't seen Rock and Roll High School? Is that a double shame? Should I play oh, that wow. again? I shame. should. Shame. Shame. I think this is shame. our first double shame. Shame. So early shame. season, too. So do you huh. want to try it? Do, do we want to go into a film that neither one of us has seen and come back with it and see what how we because uh, that is one we're both missing. As a rock musician, you should have that in there. As a fan of the Ramones, we, which we both are, I went to the Ramones in one their final concert. I got to see the original what was left of the original lineup before Joey passed. Uh, you know, I, I, I love the Ramones <laughs> I, and I DJ saw the Ramones. I saw the Ramones at uh, Saratoga Winners in Clifton Park, New York, uh, some god 
years, God, 25 years ago. And uh, <laughs> all I remember is D.D. Ramon wandering around going, baby, baby, hey, baby, <laughs> baby. Oh, no, he, well, you know, he's, he's earned it, you know. It is D.D. Yeah. after all. I, I saw them. They had an opening band which nobody wanted on the stage because they were not the Ramones, which they had a decent set, but they were out in like 20 minutes. And then the Ramones came on and did, I think, 30 songs, and I got in the car, it was 10 songs. (laughs) (laughs) It was like the shortest, (laughs) shortest, longest show I've ever been to. I mean, that was like insane. That whole night was insane. I can tell you about my trip. They hardly talked to to the crowd. They just played song after song after song. They just nail them yeah. out. And all the remote songs are two minutes long. Yeah, three, two, one. <laughs> you know, here they go. You know, it, it was fun. It was a fun show. So neither one of us has seen Rock and Roll High School. I, I think we should both be hanging our heads in shame on that one. So maybe that's well, what I, we'll I, do. I can't say I haven't seen it. I think I have, but I can't remember. Got I've, seen some, of it. I've, seen, I've seen, seen some of it. I've seen some of it. The big, the big number with PJ Soul singing Rock and Roll High School, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, but I've never seen it from beginning to end. That's one of the reasons she's a legend. Yeah, she's awesome. Genre, genre queen. So I'm about women in horror. I mean, I've met her a couple of times now on on at Days of the Dead. I absolutely adore that woman. So uh, you know, she's awesome. so I think we should do it. Let's do. Let's make this our first blind repo nerds. We're gonna pull each other's cards, and we'll come back and see how we feel about Rock and Roll High School. And I will take notes on this one. Okay, that works for me. That works for me. All if right. people want to find uh, find you on the interwebs, how can they do that, Liz? Uh, I'm often on Facebook. Uh, I, you can find me at Elizabeth Catherine Gray, my personal profile, or you can find me on the podcast, Archivist Bets on Sexy Witches, a bi-monthly podcast. From the Geek Girls' perspective, our next episode will be the 20th, and it will be with director, uh, an interview with Scott Shermer, the director of Found and Headless, and he also was the director of photography on the independent hit, Space Babes from Outer Space, starring Ellie Church. So that'll be a fun little interview. Uh, and you can also find me on the Twitter at the Sexy Witches or Cave Pearl EKG, or you can find me on many, many Facebook groups, including the Halloween Horror Movie Marathon Madness, which I found out my theme for this year's Madness. Yes, last week. Nice. So I'm joking, Bob. Let's go down on Twitter. I am uh, Tom Clark on Facebook. Find my author page. Go like it. I got my first novella coming out this year. It's called Good Boy. It's in the second round of edits right now with the editor. And and since I couldn't get Becky Cloonan, I got James McCampbell doing the cover art for me now. I've actually gone from having a photograph that's been doctored to actually commissioning real art for the cover for this thing. It's going to be fantastic. Well, it's going to be even better. It's going to be actual painted. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. Cool. I can't look forward to it. So good boy coming out this year for me. Um, <laughs> takes, uh, I'll just put it this way. Watership Down meets The Walking Dead, kids. We'll just go say it, call it that. Call it that. 
call it what it is. I'm very proud of it, Liz. It's a good book. Good story. <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, sh- you know, uh, I'm sure I'll be able to read it sooner than later. I know a little bit about it since I did part of your audio play. Yes, you did. Yes. We're going to be uh, yeah. revisiting that as well. Oh, boy. Uh-huh. I my, my slight southern accent for you. Yes, you do. So. Yes, you do. Oh, well, we got we got 10 minutes left, man. Well, yeah, you know what? We're, Usually we only run an hour, but we're going to go the whole hour and a half this weekend at uh, this time. Yeah, Why do you know? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, that's going to be uh, the first weekend in August. We're going to be down there for that. Yep. Um, yep. The uh, Brian Keene Telethon, I might be going to that down in Pennsylvania. When is yes. that? Oh, I'm looking it up right now. It's in Pennsylvania? Yeah, it's going to be That's pretty PA. close, dude. I, I, I'm not too far from Pennsylvania. Uh, let me find it here. I'm going to be making a few con appearances really soon. Uh, actually, for people who want to take notes, I am going to be at Texas Frightmares. The first weekend of May, I've been given press passes. Thank you, Texas Brightmares, for that. And so I'll be down there. And I got to meet Matthew Willard, who I didn't get to meet at Days of the Dead because he played opposite my panel. So now I've actually get to meet him. So that's how things work out. I will also be, in two weeks after that, in Days of the Dead Charlotte. I'll be down there. And, of course, Scares It Cares. And the piece of resistance, two weeks before Scares It Cares, I will be at San Diego Comic-Con. Woo! So I have a very busy convention schedule this year. Yeah, you do. Um, my first first time going to San Diego Comic-Con, I have Sunday tickets. Uh, but don't worry, there's plenty to do on the outside. You don't have to be inside Comic-Con to enjoy Comic-Con. So I'm looking really right. forward to seeing going to the Geek Mecca itself. So uh, the uh, 2018 Horror Show of Brian Keene Telethon is going to begin at noon on May 11th and end at noon on May 12th. That's a Friday into a Saturday. Um, it's going to be live streamed across the world via YouTube. It's going to be at the Courtyard Marriott on uh, Concord Road in York, Pennsylvania. York, really? Yeah. That's awesome. Michael Lombardo is, lives in that area. He lives in Lancaster. Yeah, Lombardo will be there. Yeah, Lombardo I will be there. I saw his movie. I saw his movie, oh. as you know. Oh, yeah, let's talk yeah. about that. Let's talk about that. Spoiler free. Spoiler free because we can't. Okay. To, ruin, to spoil this for anybody would be a travesty. No, you really, I wouldn't you know, do that. That would be rude, yeah, man. Um, you can see his film again. He's actually playing, I think, this weekend in the Holiday Double Feature in Philadelphia. So you can go see his film. Um, and he's also going to be playing at All the Days of the Dead coming up. So his movie is making rounds and making festivals. Oh, and he's also at NC HorrorCon, too. They're showing Doomsday. So uh, it is like The Road meets Grave of Fireflies, which, by the way, Mike Lombardo has never seen Grave of Fireflies. So I have to show him that movie. Um, and, uh, you know, and there's some pretty heavy back end to this film. Let's just put it that way. Um, yeah. I enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I actually, it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> the problem <laughs> um, is, I would say, is after the initial shock of the of what happens in the first time you see it, I think it probably won't be as shocking the next time around, but it's still di- equally as disturbing. Yeah, um, it's it's good enough to fucking piss on your childhood, um, and stomp it 
into the ground and make you feel after it's done like a worthless pile of fucking dog shit. That's how bleak this movie is. And any place, I've said this before, Liz, any place that shows it that doesn't have grief counselors available afterwards is irresponsible. Really. They should have, like, clowns. No, no, you can't use clowns because they're scary. There should just be, I was like... Not clowns at a horror convention. You don't want Yeah, clowns. there should be, like, stand-up, stand-up comics out front making jokes and stuff like that as you leave. Really. Something. <laughs> Well, you know, um, they follow the two films I saw there were uh, that film, and I saw uh, I also saw Brian Williams' Space Babes from Outer Space. Once again, Scott Shermer is going to be on uh, Sexy Witches next week, uh, and uh, you know, talk about completely opposite films. Like as far as they get, because that movie is like a based on it up all night sex comedy, like you'd watch on USA late night, you know. So. There's like, like, you know, I, it cleans the palate. Let's just put it that way. Like, you have to pair Doomsday with something happy because you can't give it to – you can't watch – don't watch Logan, for example, after you watch Doomsday. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, my, our friend Walt had to watch, you know, Disney movies after he was done watching that to try to make himself feel better. You know, <laughs> Which is true. They should, you know, any place showing this should get puppies for you. Puppies and kittens for you to pet as you leave. <laughs> I, 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 hope it do, I hope it does well. It already has won awards at the Nightmares Film Festival in Columbus, Ohio, which is the leading horror film festival in the country at this point. I, I hope it gets, I would love to see it get picked up at Chattanooga which is the other awesome uh, film festival for horror that comes out. The Void was premiered there last year. Uh, so, and uh, Adam Green's constantly there doing live stuff. Uh, so I, it, that would be like awesome because his film would fit right in with that crowd. So, uh, but he's yeah. uh, the horror geeks are liking his movie and that's awesome. I think that you and I at Scares That Care, because you know this movie will be shown at Scares. I think you and I should set oh. up a grief counseling table outside of it. Just as a joke. Just to fuck with Mike. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> like, holiday therapy. You know, like, you know, talk about Santa. <laughs> Shush! Uh, no, that says too much. That said too much. Well, no, oh, that doesn't really you. spoil anything because you, if you see the ad, you see the ads, you see, you know, a guy in a Santa suit. I'm not saying anything oh, more okay, than that's that. True. It's it's right. it, it, it's not like it's, you know, it's called I'm Dreaming of a White Doomsday. I mean, it obviously is holiday backdrop tour of some kind. So, not better watch out. That's a different movie completely. Um, oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good um, old fashioned home invasion film. Uh, right. And so, I, uh, it makes The Shining look like a family-friendly film. Oh my God! You know, like, <laughs> I, like I said, I was really surprised. I thought he had seen Grave of Fireflies, and he hadn't seen it. And uh, I was like, okay, I got a school. Uh, matter of fact, I got to remind myself to send him a copy of Grave of Fireflies because I really do think Mike Lombardo will really like that movie. What's, you know, it's very similar. Grave of Fireflies. 
That's right. You don't know shit about Miyazaki, do you? Um, okay. Miyazaki. Hayao Miyazaki. Spirited Away. Uh, oh, yeah, Howl's I know Moving that. Castle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Nausicaa, Valley yeah. of the Wind. Right. Yep. He did a film after Nausicaa, Valley of the Wind, but before Castle in the Sky, somewhere around there, called Grave of Fireflies. And it's a historical drama about a, a brother and her his younger sister who ends up moving under an overpass after the bombing of Hiroshima and the war is over. Right, okay. And I know exactly what you're talking about now. Okay. Yeah. It's really sad and really good. Oh, and we're at our 90-second mark. So once again, folks, thank you for listening to us jab on the Repo Nerds. Once again, Token Tom, tell them what your next episode of Necrocasticon is going to be like and where they can find you on the internet uh, once again. Well, that's going to be uh, this coming Monday. Uh, we're going to have Tabitha from Winter's Bird, and she's a death metal female vocalist coming on to represent for Women in Horror Month. Repo Nerds is written and produced by Thomas R. Clark. And, and listen to his previous episode where he talks about Ravenous and... Cannibal Horror, and listen to my show as well about the Women in Horror panel based in Atlanta. So thank you all, and once again, we're out. We're the Repo Nerds. Come back, and our next episode seems to be maybe probably sounds like Rock and Roll High School with the Ramones. Hey, neither one of us has seen it. Will we like it? Will it change our lives forever? Come back and find out. We are the Repo Nerds. Good night, Tommy. Good night, Liz. Good night. Hit the outro again. Repo Nerds is written and produced.